And so as we continue to walk through the book of uh, Matthew, uh, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for several weeks now. And one of the things that I can say is that um, that, that, that hit me tremendously, even as I prepared uh, for this week, was Pastor Mark's teaching on uh, chapter 7, um, verses, beginning of verse 25, or I'm sorry, uh, about judging at the beginning of chapter 7 here, uh, about how not to be critical, uh, but also in that same sense of how uh, we are to, uh, to, to judge, that we do judge each and every day uh, that, that, we, that we live. And so I wanted to read, I saw uh, this week as I was preparing from a, a website called gotquestions.org, and um, one of the things that it talks about in that judging is it says, the, the, Bible's, the Bible commands that we, are, that we not judge others does not mean all actions are equally moral or truth is relative. The Bible clearly teaches that truth is objective, eternal, and inseparable from God's character, and anything that contradicts the truth is a lie. But of course, to call something a lie is to pass judgment. Uh, to call adultery or murder a sin is likewise to pass judgment, but it's also to agree with God. When Jesus says not to judge others, he did not mean that no one, that no one uh, can identify sin for what it is based on God's definition of sin. And so as we read today and we wrap up the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're going to see again that this whole judging aspect uh, comes into play as we look at uh, what, what truth is, right? Uh, truth is God's word. Truth uh, is what we seek and find in Jesus Christ. And as we saw in the video, uh, uh, that, that man is an apologist. He's an, uh, one of the leading apologists and, and goes from um, like college campus to college campus and, and challenges uh, students uh, in their faith, and they ask him some uh, pretty, pretty wild and off-the-wall questions, and as he uh, seeks to, uh, again, uh, bring the truth, it, that's what we need to look at as we, as we see here. Uh, so if you would turn with me in Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to read, we're going to be in, in verses 15 all the way through the end of 7 in verse 29 this morning. And Matthew starts by saying, uh, as Jesus' as words, watch out for false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then we see the transition. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning and our opportunity to gather and to, to worship you, to, 
to uh, praise your name, to lift you up in, in not only song, but in prayer, to, to bring our petitions to you, to repent of the sins that we've committed, uh, to ask for forgiveness, and, and Lord, to, to um, either be made new or continue to grow in you. And Father God, this morning, as we look at your word and, and, and eagerly seek the truth, not our individual truth, not the things that we say are true, but what you say are true. Father God, open our hearts to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So John Piper uh, has a quote that I, I saw this week, and uh, he says, The last thing I would say is to let your teaching be so powerful in clarifying the greatness and the beauty and the worth of God's truth that your people will smell error before it infects their life. Not error, error. The shape of error is always changing. You can't preach enough negative sermons to stay ahead of it, and you don't have to. The best protection against the darkness of error is the light of truth. We began chapter 7 again uh, in the way in which we judge others, right? We too are going to be judged. Uh, and I can tell you again, like what we talked about at the beginning with Pastor Mark and the way that he communicated Scripture uh, to being identified as being judgmental people, uh, as being critical in the way that we judge of other people. It helps me to understand uh, this entire chapter of chapter 7 uh, so much better because Scripture clearly teaches that we are to judge. We are to seek truth from lie. And I've heard the example used many times. Uh, people that look for fake money, they don't study fake money. They study the real thing so that they know uh, what, the, what the real money actually feels like, looks like, and they can so easily detect the error and so this is the same in our lives. When, when we are in God's word, reading God's word, understanding God's word, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us and, and to uh, show us what it means, and then, as it says here at the end, to live it out, uh, we know what truth is from lie. So we see the things in our lives and everything around us that, uh, that causes us to, uh, in some ways, veer off track, right? Uh, in some ways to uh, begin to believe the lies that infiltrate us at every turn. And so, um, again, uh, my, uh, I, I like to watch TikToks. I think, I think a lot of them are hilarious, a lot of them are ridiculous. But one of the things that I can see on there day in, day out, is how easily somebody can, can lead somebody down the path of lies. I mean, kids today, even adults today, as we look at things like that, we can so easily begin to just hear what people share on there, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, whatever, whatever social media aspect you use, uh, it's easy to begin to believe, hey, they said it, it must be true. But we need to go back to God's word and say, what does God's word say about that? Uh, I mean, it goes from, from one extreme to the other, from things that seem to be meaningless uh, in, hey, what difference does it really make? Well, it does matter. It does mean uh, a whole lot because God says it does. And we, we should not begin to discount anything uh, that God tells us to do. And so one of the things, uh, if you would turn with me just over a couple chapters, a few chapters over to Romans chapter 12, I want to read verses 1 and 2 uh, because, um, you know, when we tell, when we, when we try to delineate what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is lie, God's word once again tells us exactly how to, to figure that out. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to say here, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So even as we, we talk about the, the head knowledge from the heart knowledge, there, uh, there is, once we have been transformed in our heart, there are things in our mind and our knowledge and the information that we gather that we need to know and understand and, and able to discern uh, from right from wrong, from truth and lie. And that's exactly what uh, Jesus is telling his disciples here. Because if you remember, he, he, he's telling them in the Sermon on the Mount that everything that you understand about the world is opposite of what the kingdom of God is like. Remember all the way back in, 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 verse, in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. Everything that he said is, hey, this is what the world says it should look like and the way it is and what you should seek after. But what I say is completely different. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the truth, that we should first and foremost seek God and his kingdom, and everything else will be added unto us. Not run after everything else that this world promises uh, and holds up as a dangling carrot in, in front of us, but yet doesn't fulfill anything at all. And I think we've all been there. We've all chased after things that later on we, we've looked back and said, hey, that was pretty pointless, pretty worthless, uh, and it was a lie. And so uh, today we're going to see that how true, true and false prophets uh, actually uh, breed out true and false disciples. Uh, when you have somebody that is leading you and guiding you in the way of truth, uh, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? That's a good thing. Well, when we have people that are, are true, that are false prophets, false teachers, uh, they're going to lead us down a path of destruction and away from God's word. And then in a sense, uh, we too are going to uh, fall in that same path where we are going to misguide and mislead uh, others as well. And so if we look at verses 15 through 20, uh, I want to read that once again because Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. And then he says, Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus... By their fruit, you will recognize them. It doesn't mean that every, every time that we're living, our, when we're living our lives for Christ, that everything is going to go well, everything's going to fall into place because we're going to experience very difficult times. But it's the way in which we respond to those things that shows the fruit that's in us, the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are those aspects of our lives that we are exhibiting uh, when we face these most difficult times. That's the, the fruit that comes out uh, of the tree when it's squeezed, right? When, when we have the most difficult things in our lives. In verses 15 through 20 here, it does three things as Jesus teaches it. First, it, it warns them and us to beware of those who are out to deceive and to mislead us. Paul, throughout the New Testament, over and again, uh, teaches uh, his disciples and his churches that he leads and in the letters that he writes to watch out for false disciples, to be on guard. And we too today, more than ever, we need to do the same thing. The second thing it does is it shows that there are identifiable characters that allow us to recognize false teachers. Uh, there are things that we see, um, and, and it's easy for us today because, again, as, as Al shared, 
with uh, being young Christian, new Christian, and, and, and feeding on milk rather than meat, uh, in that as we progress in God's word and understand it more and more, and as the Holy Spirit reveals to us what it means, it is easier for us to identify because we have God's word that tells us what those things look like. It's easier to recognize. But again, as Mark Turek shared, do we want to recognize those things or do we just want to go with the flow? Do we want to just a status quo and be okay with whatever, whatever they say is fine, right? Uh, because I see over and over and over and over in our world today, whether it's on, uh, on TV, on social media, on movies, or uh, in my life as I interact with people, it's like, you have your truth, I have my truth, leave me alone. Well, that, that, that's fine for them to say that because that's them, but for us as Christians, uh, it's not okay to, uh, to, to, to believe that and take that in. Hey, they, they can just believe whatever they want. It's okay, right? Um, but we can't necessarily change their mind. Again, uh, as Pastor Mark shared about being judgmental and critical as we share the gospel, we have to be careful in the way we interact with those things. In the video, that's what I loved about it is because that's one thing that he said too, is if somebody were to say Christianity were true, but I'm not going to believe it, I'm not going to accept it, that's a heart issue. And he says, he tells us what to do there, didn't he? He said, continue to love them, continue to be invested in their lives, and continue to look for opportunities to share the gospel at a later time. And so they do have, in a sense, that they can say, this is my truth, leave me alone. Uh, but we need to then look for opportunities to continue to be Christ-like, as Paul shares, uh, and to continue uh, to invest in their lives. And so the third thing that, that this passage, these, these verses do in verses 15 through 20, is says that, Based on their evil and wickedness, they will be destroyed. One day comes a day of judgment. But also in this life that we live here, there are things that, that can and do occur in the lives of people who are evil and wicked uh, that lead to their destruction now. There are things that God can take away from people. There are things that God can put people through. I know for, I know for a fact, I've, I've been saved for 11 years and I know for a fact when, when, when God was calling me and I just continued to refuse, continued to look the other way, continued to seek my own truth, there were a lot of times where God allowed things to happen in my life that led me uh, to really question a lot of things. Uh, I, I didn't receive destruction, but I did, I did go through a lot of difficult times. And even, and even beyond that, whenever God wanted me in a different position uh, at work, to, to leave that work to go into ministry, God did things and, and infiltrated things, uh, to, things to go on uh, so that it would push me to do exactly what he wanted me to do. And I could have continued to refuse that. I could have continued to listen to the world and say, hey, I'm making plenty of money. I'm doing these things. All these things are great. But it wasn't what God wanted me to do. But based on this passage of Scripture, their evil and wickedness will be destroyed, and it will be destroyed eventually if they continue to re reject Christ and then die. Uh, they will face the wrath of God, eternal separation from God uh, for eternity. And so now let's look at verses 21 through 23 where he says, and this is very, hits home very hard because I think that uh, there are a lot of people in our lives that, that this verse would apply to. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so what we see here is that the people have their own basis for eternal life. They say, I'm a good person. I did all of these things. Uh, there's no way that, that a just God, that a loving God would send 
send me to hell or send others to hell for any reason. That, that, that's a false teaching that, uh, that we see in our world today, that, that we know that as Christians and, and through the truth of God's word, that only those who have been made new in Christ receive eternal life. And so uh, if you remember uh, the video from the last week, the basis for life is, was what? The blood of Christ and in Christ alone. And so last week, we also read verses 13 and 14 um, and saw that eternal life requires that we enter through the narrow gate, not the wide gate, which means that uh, we have to set aside the things of this world that are holding us back, that are keeping us down. And we're willing to uh, cast those things off because uh, it's us that God uh, requires, um, that God uh, demands that we give him our our entire self, not all of these other things that that we're doing, uh, acquiring in this world. Uh, and again, that's the lie of this world that uh, gain and achieve and to do and to do and to do. Continue to be busy and don't devote your life to God. That's what the lie of this world is telling us. The only reason and the only way in which uh, we are allowed to enter through that narrow gate is not of any works that we've done on our own, but because of the blood of Christ. And then once we've been made new, then come the works. In James, uh, we see that faith without works is dead. Uh, but it's not works alone that, that, that give us that. It's the faith in Christ alone. And so, uh, again, one of the things that stood out to me was Jesus right here, and he's talking about the narrow and the wide gate last week, is that he uses the imagery of the gate, and he himself says uh, in John's gospel, uh, there's seven I am statements, and he refers to himself in one of those as the gate to the sheep pen. And I just want to read what those seven statements are really quick, not 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 go in depth on each one of them because that's a sermon for a different time. But uh, in the Old Testament, God revealed his name to Moses. He said, I am who I am. And he says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. In Judaism, I am is unquestionably understood for the name of God. And whenever Jesus made an I am statement in which he claimed uh, attributes of, of, of being God, he was identifying himself as God alone. And so in those seven statements, he says in in chapter 6 of of John, I'm the bread of life. In chapter 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. In chapter 10, two times, he says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And then in chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then in chapter 15, he says, I'm the true vine. In those statements, as we look at the wide and the narrow paths and truth and lies, uh, and, and life and death, we see that Jesus in chapter 10 says, I am the door. This I am statement stresses that no one can enter the kingdom of heaven by any other means than Christ himself. Jesus's words in this passage are um, have imagery of, of, of a sheep pen, of a sheepfold, of taking care of sheep, letting them in and out. He's the only and one, one and only way to enter. And he says in verse one, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another, another way, that man is the robber. And then he goes on in that same, ver- that same ch- uh, chapter 10, and he says, I am the good shepherd. With this I am statement, Jesus portrays his great love and care. He's the one who willingly protects us, his flock, even to the point of death. And when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he's unmistakably uh, making himself uh, God and, and, and giving himself, not giving himself, but he has the title of God in the Old Testament. And so the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. So then we, as we go on and we see the, the therefore aspect of this chap, of this verse, these verses that we're on, uh, beginning in verse 24, uh, there's, he talks about 
watch out. And then he warns that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, uh, is actually a disciple of mine. There are um, aspects of people's lives who, again, uh, portray being a Christian. Uh, they outwardly look like it, but inwardly uh, continue to reject uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't experience that uh, in my own life to say, like, I've heard testimonies where people have said, uh, you know, as a teenager, I just lived it. I didn't really believe it, right? So for me, I was 34 years old before I ever went to church. And so two weeks later, I was, my life was radically changed and transformed by the gospel. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin at that moment. Uh, and I fell to my knees in and, and, and realization that it was Howie Lucas's fault that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And so in that, I asked him to forgive me and be made new. Now, for, for those who, uh, in, for whatever reason, in whatever ways, continue to uh, live a life outwardly of being a Christian, but yet inwardly never being renewed, I don't know what the benefit for them in, in, in that is, other than they have believed a lie. They've replaced truth for lie. And so they continue to live that out. And so now uh, what, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, because remember, this is at the beginning of his ministry. Right? He's about to begin to do some healings that we'll talk about next week and then uh, go on and, and then eventually uh, die and leave these men to serve and to be the leaders of the early church. And so what he's doing is he's preparing them to say, these are the things that you're going to experience, so I'm going to tell you about them now. Uh, early on in my ministry, uh, the pastor that I served under did a wonderful job explaining to me things about ministry and things that I would experience and things that I could recognize and understand. And I can tell you right now, if, if I wouldn't have been told about those things early on, I don't know that I would still be in ministry today because of some of the difficult situations that I've been in. And so as we look at that, uh, and, and, and that goes for my own personal life as well as, as ministry as well, right? In, in my life with my wife and my family and all those things, he told me specifically how Satan was going to bring lies uh, all around us and try to lead us down a path uh, away from God and into a path of destruction. And so now what he says is, hey, this is exactly how you're going to, to recognize those. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, in verse 24, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Have you guys ever experienced anything in your life that just felt like your whole world was going to fall apart? I would say that we can, we can all look back and, and see times in our lives where that was. What held us together? Uh, it was a foundation for, for me. Uh, it was a foundation in Christ. But I went through some of the most difficult things in my life before I became a believer in Christ. And I can tell you the way that I handle situations now is vastly different than the way that I did before. Uh, it, it's not about how can I fix it, what can I do? It's about how can I hang on to Christ and just hold on through this mess that's going on? Because he's got it. He's got it. And we, need, and we would be good to remember that. And so the story uh, here uh, that we read is, is not really practically about uh, building a house and, and, and how it stands or where you build it and all those things. But it's really about the fact that if you've been made new in Christ and you believe truth and you apply truth uh, and you live out truth and you're a true disciple, uh, this is what your life's going to look like. When you face these difficult things, this is what's going to happen. If you're not a true disciple, your true colors are going to come out. Um, Ruth and I, oh... 
maybe two weeks ago, week and a half ago, uh, we like to watch some like crime drama um, type shows, but real and not just drama, but real life things that have, that have happened. And I was just astonished at how God puts things in my life and to help me understand passages of Scripture uh, through real life experiences. And there was uh, a situation of a senator in Oklahoma. His name, I believe, was Ralph Shorty. And he was a younger guy. He was probably, I'd say he was probably 30, 34, somewhere in there. And so this man was a man who, again, was a senator, was pushing bills to um, to bring harsher punishment on people who committed crimes near schools, near churches, and all of those things. Um, and he served in his church. He wore T-shirts that, that talked about being uh, salt and light. And he wore a shirt about from Ephesians 5 about how husbands and wives should interact with one another. And this man was caught in an act of not only adultery, but child pornography. And he was caught in a hotel room with a 17-year-old boy. And initially... They weren't even going to pursue that until they found out later on that, that who he was, that he was a senator, and that he claimed to be a Christian. And so all of the things that, des- that came out about his life after that, I mean, they, they subpoenaed his phone, his computer, and the things that they pulled up on that. Again, his evilness is going to be found out eventually, right? Um, and, so, and, and what happened? His life came to, to a devastating crash. Believing that lie that I can do what I want, say what I want, act how I want, and nobody's going to know, uh, is a lie. Because no matter, even if, you, even if nobody finds out in this world, God knows everything that we do. And we need to remember, too, that through all of that, again, it, it's because of the blood of Christ that we can be forgiven of those things. So no matter what it is we have done, that we're doing or will do, if we just give our life to Christ, he will and is faithful to forgive us of those things. And so there's nothing in our lives that, that we've done that is too far away from allowing God or not for, for God to forgive us and to bring us back to him. We all need to understand that because far too often I hear people say the same thing. If you only knew what I did, because I did such horrible things, there's no way that God would ever forgive me. Yeah, he absolutely will because he forgave me and I know what I've done and I know what I've thought about and I know what I think about at times and I know how easily... Uh, the, the devil, the world misleads and distracts and detracts and, and guides me in different ways away from God's word. And it's hard. It's really hard. Even though I read his word every single day and try to do devotion time every single day, uh, it's still there and it still hits me. So I know it hits each and every one of you guys the same. And so, again, the meaning of this parable, it, it, it's about, it is about proper foundation. But again, it's not uh, about a literal house. Uh, it's about our life and our foundation in Christ alone. And so uh, I have this quote uh, here. Uh, it says, but Jesus' sermon was not concerned with house construction or building code violations. The spiritual meaning of the parable found in Matthew seven twenty four is everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We are each building a life. The proper foundation for a life is Jesus' words not just the hearing of them, but the doing of them too. It's the hearing of them, the transformation of heart, and then we would actually do what God has commanded us to do. Jesus says himself, my people know my voice, and my people will do what I've called them to do. They will be obedient to those things. And it seems like everything in this world is set up, again, to turn us away from God's word. Um, and again, it's, it's not about... Uh, 
necessarily us calling one out, calling one another out on whether or not what we're doing and what we're not doing. But um, again, if we're not in God's word every day and understand the truth of his word, to understand Jesus Christ himself, who he is, what he came for, what he lived for, what he died for, and what he continues to live for, and that's our eternal life, that's our justification in him. If we don't continue to remind ourselves of that each and every day, we're so easily led astray. And so Jesus ends the sermon with a call uh, to pay attention to and apply uh, the message. In fact, uh, to find our security in him, as, as we read in, in our Assurance of Salvation, that uh, everything that we do uh, is, should be pointed to Christ and, and, and to continue to find and understand that we have security in him and in his salvation. And then in the last two verses here in verse 28 and 29, uh, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. And so we must be careful not to, again, just merely identify as a Christian and be amazed at the, at the teachings, uh, read the word and just be amazed at them, but be transformed by them. Uh, again, uh, we all have, um, you know, pastors online that we like to watch, uh, pastors in our church that we like to, to listen to and we identify with and things like that. But we need to remember that every one of us is, is still a sinful human and we still make mistakes and we still struggle. Uh, so let's not so much be amazed at just uh, the teachings of an individual, but be amazed at Christ alone and be thankful for what he's, what he's done. And so, um, you know, all, every one of us, Every person uh, that, that, that has ever been created is actually seeking to enter the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life. They, they can live a lie. They can share that, that they're not. They can say that they're atheists. They can do all of those things. But God has written his word on every one of our hearts. God has, has written uh, eternity on our hearts and a longing to once again be home. That's why so many people, uh, every one of us at some time still, wanted to know what is the meaning of this world and what's beyond it. Every single person is going to be seeking the kingdom of heaven. But some are going to be turned away and, and, and will react in, in confusion and disappointment as to what they thought. Hey, I got my ticket punched, right? It's stamped. I'm in. But heaven turns out to be worthless to them. It's just like in Noah's day. If we, if we remember the story of Noah, Noah built the ark. He had the ark. Uh, everybody chastised them. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. But I guarantee you on the day that the rains came, they wanted everything to do with Noah and his ark. They wanted to enter. Every single person at some point wants to enter the kingdom of heaven. But some, because they continue to reject Christ, are going to be turned away. Those, there are some who prophesy in the name of Jesus, meaning uh, that they're either foretelling things to come or, or preaching the word in his name. Uh, but they have no transformation in themselves. That's a very dangerous thing to, to a place to be in and a dangerous uh, place to be led by. So very simply this morning, as we, as we, as we wrap up, uh, you know, there's a contrast here that those who will enter heaven uh, will do so uh, not based on our own achievements, not based on anything that we've done or accomplished or any works at all but will inherit eternal life solely based on the obedience of God's will, which is what? To believe in Jesus Christ, in the Son of God. That's it. And allow and understand that it's his blood, it's his finished work that gives us eternal life. And so this morning, I just simply ask you, do you believe? 
If this morning or at any point in your life, uh, you're unsure, again, right back into the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount, ask, seek, knock, if you're unsure. Because, again, we all seek to enter that. And if, and if that's you, you don't have an assurance of salvation uh, this morning, I would, I would just say that uh, you can talk to any of us elders uh, here this morning. Uh, you, our phone numbers are in the bulletin. Our emails uh, are easily found. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know how we can be in prayer for you. We have the prayer cards. Um, come seek uh, one of us right after service this morning, and we would love to understand, help you to understand uh, God's word and God's meaning uh, in this life and the eternal life that you can have in him and in him alone. And so I have another quote this morning that uh, I'd like to read. It's from J.I. Packer, and he says, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. Everything that Christ taught is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Is God your father? Father God, we thank you for this amazing day, this day. And Lord, we, we thank you for your word that, that is truth, that holds us uh, accountable to our sin. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it held you accountable to our sin because you willingly went to the cross and died for each and every one of us and took our sin upon yourself, even for those uh, that would continue to reject you. But Lord, we know that the only way to receive eternal life is to believe in you and to submit our lives to you. Uh, Lord, to be made new and be given a new heart. And this morning, as we uh, wrap up, Lord, uh, we know that uh, you know, our lives are, in a sense, an extension of who you are living in us as Christians. And Lord, help our fruit uh, to be seen as good and wonderful and awesome, uh, because that's who you are. You're the creator of all things. You hold all things together in your hand. And Lord, we thank you for first loving us when we were unlovable. Lord, help us to go and to, uh, to live as Christ lives in us. In your mighty name we pray, amen.